0: A driver feels he ran over something with his pickup truck after getting a quick oil change. Little did he know he ran over our client while she was walking home from grabbing a pizza. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Behind the Guy.
1: The law can be a difficult trail to navigate. There are cases that change precedents, and there are cases that change America. Some you know, and some you don't. Join Brian Cruz and Becky Granado of Cruz and Pascara as they dive into the most notorious cases in America and the ones you may not have heard of. This is Behind the Gavel.
0: Welcome back to Behind the Gavel. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Cruz of the law firm Cruz and Pascara.
1: And I'm Rebecca Granado. Today we're going to tell our listeners about a case against a negligent pickup driver who ran over a pedestrian after she was grabbing a pizza after work. We're going to call her Susan today.
0: Let me tell you the story of what happened to Susan. Susan is getting off of work. She is trying to cross the South Orange Blossom Trail in the area of Charlie's Steakhouse. Many of you know where that is. As she's gotten off of work and she's in her chef's uniform, she goes to the center lane as she's trying to cross over to go get her car that's parked on the other side of the street. Little did she know on this clear day, with a clearer road, that another man driving a pickup truck would pull out into the roadway, strike her, and cause injury. In fact, the driver was driving an F-250 pickup truck. He testified he felt he ran over something in the center lane. He immediately stops his vehicle. He jumped out of his vehicle. He sees a black woman under the front of the truck. He sees her skin is torn off of her right arm. He hears her screaming. In pain, he then hears the sirens coming, and after that begins the long treatment of our client uh, in the hospital and to essentially recover f- from this horrible accident. Becky, can you tell us about the injuries that uh, she suffered?
1: well the, in in my memory, the truck running over her left her right arm severely fractured, her fractured ribs, low back pain. And she ended up with a partially paralyzed right arm, which makes her virtually unemployable in the field that she was in. I think she was a sous sous chef or something, wasn't she? Something along that line at Charlie's, um, which obviously needs both arms. um, She ended up having to move back up north to her family because she could not work. Yeah,
0: I recall that, and uh, she couldn't work, so she went back and lived with her family in New York while you know went through the legal process, and so you know they started out. Of course, remember they defended the case saying, "Well, what was she doing walking across the roadway of OBT?" And in that area, there's no crosswalks for like a mile in each direction. So, um, so we were then saying, "Well, how can you miss this rather large?" Uh, female out in the middle of the roadway. When you're driving a, a F250 Ford pickup truck, you can kind of see everything. You're seeing over other vehicles, so we were like, "That's you know, the jury's not going to buy that uh that you get a pass because uh, she was in the turn lanes crossing across OBT." So finally, we convinced the insurance company. and Remember, folks, there's always an insurance company in these cases. So. We finally uh, convinced them to pay a really substantial settlement. And I believe um, uh, she came back down for mediation. We flew her in from New York, and we sat down with uh, the mediator and the and the other uh, side. And after an all-day mediation, it was one of these long ones, you know, like seven or eight hours, we were able to resolve the case. We can't really tell you the amount but it was a substantial six figure uh, case and uh, it gave her enough to compensate her basically for the rest of her life because she was not going to be able to go back to work uh, as a sous chef. Um, so that's how, and this is another classic example of how an accident can just ruin your work life. You know, it, it can happen to, to you. If you, if you're working with your arms and you're, and you have to walk around or something, and you get a serious injury to an arm or a leg, it can drastically affect your ability to keep your employment. So in these kind of cases, we always look for the loss of wages, but also the loss of earning capacity. That is the person's ability to earn money over the rest of their life. Sometimes we can show that, well, you've gotten 50 cents an hour raises for the last five years working somewhere, so you would have had that. And now you're not because you're not going to be as productive. Or we can show that they completely lose the ability to handle the job and they're unemployable in the same industry. Uh, And then, you know, then there's always a question, what can they do to become employable in somewhere else? But um, this this was a really good and a good feel-good case because somebody had lost a significant portion of their life And, you know, she loved being a sous chef. And so we felt good about the resolution of this case.
1: Well, this case also is another example of where we used an expert who was a former highway patrol trooper for 30 years to reconstruct what happened and actually use the defendant driver's testimony against him. So it wasn't as easy as it sounds, but... In the end, that that's one of the things that turned the cases. So like we talked about in the previous podcast, you need to make sure your attorney can afford and have access to those types of experts.
0: He did a fantastic job, as I remember, and it really laid it out crystal clear. So the other side finally came around. I mean, they offered zero when we started. And so there you go. So that was a good one. I'm happy to re- report that. Phil, did you have any questions for us? I do. So,
2: hello, everybody. My name is Phil. I'm filling in for Camille today. She's out being uh, a law student, so congratulations to her. So, I don't know anything about the law. So, if I ask you guys any questions, don't laugh. Please do not please do not laugh. So, if you are listening and you are new to, to law questions, you're probably thinking a lot of the same things that I am. So, Brian, you, you did mention that you flew her down for mediation. Right. right? right. Uh, and you said you, you, you're not able to, to say how much – you know, you received, is that because you didn't go to trial?
0: Right. Mediation is the opportunity for the parties to get together right before the trial. Typically, you're mostly successful. Your most successful mediations are going to be within a month or two of trial. Um, Closer the trial is, the more the writing is on the wall for the insurance company. You know, they like to hold their money till the last minute. Uh, And so, but that's the, that's the moment that you have, if there is going to be a resolution, you know, it could likely happen. So mediation is required in all civil personal injury cases in Florida before you go to trial. Okay. So so those
2: people who who aren't familiar with their area, uh, Orange Blossom Trail, or OBT is what it's called, is a very, very long stretch of road. It's probably one of the most dangerous roads in in Florida. Right, Becky, you were just telling me earlier before we were on the air that um, Orlando is probably one of the worst pedestrian accidents. Don't most of them have to happen in on obt? Right.
1: Well, I don't know about that, but it is. I believe we have the dubious honor of being the largest pedestrian accident city in Can, the country. Congratulations, most dangerous, <laughs> most yeah, dangerous. Think, congratulations, um, Orlando. And that obt stretch is between, I think, where this accident happened. If people who've lived here a long time, Charlie's used to be on obt. Yes, and it was. Between, let's say, I-4 and the Florida Mall. Yes. Which is a long stretch and a dangerous stretch. Wow.
2: And so she was literally, she was just crossing the street because you said there were no crosswalks. So she was crossing the street and then just some guy just smacked right into her.
0: Right. Came- pulled out from uh, an Amico or some station Lube express or something Lube like express that. yeah yeah and he pulled out into the roadway into the center lane so you know if you're visualizing this folks you got three lanes going one direction three lanes going another and then there's a center lane for a turn lane yeah. well she had successfully walked across there was no other traffic and she was standing there when she was hit from behind oh my in the turn lane which, you know, it was not an intersection turn lane either. It's just a turn lane so people could go to various businesses. So that was, uh, of course, shocking to yeah. her.
2: So when you mentioned that um, she lost the capacity to do her job, right? yes. how, how do you, as, as, a, as lawyers, how do you guys determine an amount? Like, so you did mention that. Her, the insurance company they offered zero so they weren't even they didn't want to give you anything
0: well at first they were saying it was all her fault for yeah. uh, walking across a busy roadway you know what idiot would walk across a busy roadway
2: yeah well how how is she supposed to get across then
0: exactly <laughs> fly exactly so so
2: how, how do you guys so you know she she lost her ability to cook essentially so Correct. you know uh Kulner schools are not cheap. <laughs> so. No,
1: and, you know, that's a really fair question. But what we, again, we fall back on our experts because we can't testify. Yeah. She can obviously testify to her lost wages. But basically what happens is we take her tax returns, her past earnings, uh, the medical doctor, our vocational rehabilitation person is hired. And that expert would then determine what she could possibly be retrained in or what she can and can't do. And of course they're all looking at all these depositions Brian has taken of the doctors and what her future prognosis says. So the vocational rehabilitation expert takes that information and does a life care plan. Mm -hmm. And that outlines possibly, you know what she could be retrained to do and how much that would cost. Those reports then go to the economist who puts a number on it for us. Okay. It's not something we just pull out of air. He takes what the doctor and the vocational rehabilitation expert has put in their plan. He finds today's prices and what these prices are going to be with inflation over time gotcha. comes up with a present value and gives us a number of what she has lost in economic damages. Exactly.
0: So your economic losses really help drive a case, like Becky's saying. If we, you know, if you hit a guy that's making a hundred uh, thousand dollars a a year, and you yeah. take that job away from him, and he's, you know, thirty five years old, he's got years of life capacity and earning capacity left. So, you know, maybe he can be retrained, but he's not going to get that hundred thousand dollar job because he's had a a major injury. And, you know, like it or not, you go tell an employer, Oh, you know, when you're going in and interviewing, do you have any limitations or restrictions? You know, a lot of times uh, either don't get the job or, you know, you may get less money. Uh. And so that, that's what these type of vocational experts talk about you know, it, it, the, your case is not over when you settle it. You're still going to suffer. Your pain and suffering. You're going to suffer your loss of the ability to earn money if that's part of your deal mm-hmm. uh, for you know a, a long period of time, perhaps. So, wow. those are things we take into account. I mean, we we really appreciate when we get someone that comes in. They've they've uh, got tax returns that show substantial earnings and then there's a drop-off after uh, the the accident we like it from a legal standpoint not that we like <laughs> it <laughs> we all have a joke that says what's bad for you is good for your case and what's good for you is bad for your case so think about that folks but you know all
2: right but there you go I okay. got. Two more, two more questions on on this one. So uh, Becky just mentioned uh, so many things that processes that you guys had to follow or or had to do to present the case. All this stuff has to be ready when you guys do your mediation, or did you guys start to, to do this like periodically as time went by, or did you all present this at once?
1: Well, that's a good question. It's a periodic gathering of information. Uh, Brian must do all the depositions of the doctors to get the information to give the vocational rehabilitation. So you sometimes have a year to two years of prep preparation okay. for a case like this. And then he puts it all together and we bring it to mediation and present it at one time. So it, the answer is kind of both.
2: Yeah. OK. And so. um the defense is their only their only defense was literally just it was her fault that was, that was pretty much it.
0: that was the main defense and uh, and how we countered that was by we actually went out there on multiple occasions and videoed people walking across all up and down o b t the oh, show there was a pattern of pedestrian traffic you know they wouldn't walk out in the middle of cars and stuff, but when there was a break in the in the cars. There was, you know, at that time, there was no other way to get across. I mean, it's not like you have a, a crosswalks at all locations, and um, so that's that's the way we kind of defeated that. Along with hiring the former Florida Highway Patrolman accident reconstructionist, that showed there was absolutely like seven or ten seconds when this driver could have seen her. Oh. So what the hell was he doing? You know, wow. which is what I asked. Uh, I said, what were you doing? Uh, wow. And he goes, I don't know. I was just driving. You know, I was just pulling out into the road. And, wow. And so ultimately he goes, and then I think I was in the middle median uh, and I was looking back in my mirrors and not looking forward. And I kept going down the road. Well, you know, he, before he even pulled out, the accident reconstructionist testified he should have seen her in the roadway.
1: Right. And, of course, as you know, we, Florida has a strict laws about pedestrians have the right-of-way, especially yeah. you're supposed to take extra care when you're entering a intersection or a street to make sure that no one's in your path.
2: So I'm going to ask you a really weird, random question here about OBT. So um, for those who are local, you, you guys know down there by before you get an I-4 on OBT. So if you're going um, north on OBT before you get to I-4, there's that crosswalk there, mm-hmm. right? And there's the little the little lights. No one ever stops because it's like, what, 40, 45? Right. So in Florida, people are probably going 60. Correct. <laughs> um, if you are a pedestrian... How do you actually cross? Because that is not safe. It really is not safe. Like, what should... I mean, I'm just asking your personal opinion. This is, you don't have to say anything about... Well, wrong. the bottom like, line is... How the heck do you cross that yeah, street?
0: Well, it's really tough for people that, you know, have to cross the street. I mean, we have pedestrians. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of local people live in that area. And they walk to and from businesses uh, for lunch or things like that. And then, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that just need to walk to get across go to the bus stop the or, bus stop and yeah. things yeah. like that so when you here's the bottom line you got to look and watch out for yourself as a pedestrian just because the law says that you have the right away and just because those lights are flashing doesn't mean somebody's going to stop and you know before you step out and walk across you better make sure it's clear because florida is like you said we're the number one capital of pedestrian injuries and accidents in the United States.
2: Wow. So to to wrap it up, if someone, you know, is, unfortunately if you do happen to, if you are a pedestrian and do happen to get injured, um, who, who should you guys call? What's your number?
1: <laughs> <laughs> call us. We definitely have the expertise and the time to do it. Our phone number is 407 200 We have a Facebook account, Cruz and Pescara. You can find Brian under Brianw.cruise.com or cruise uh, We're always here. Uh, we have Instagram.
2: Yes, you guys have a podcast. And we have a Facebook podcast. podcast so it's at Behind the Gavel. I know it's super cool. I made it up. but
1: the, No, we love it. Behind the Gavel.
2: Yep. So if you guys have any questions, keep sending them in. And uh, Brian and Becky will answer them to the best of their knowledge because they know pretty much everything. So <laughs> Hey, well, after 35 if, years
0: of doing this stuff, you know.
1: And if we don't know it, we can certainly find someone who can help us. So. That's
2: right. Cool, guys. So stick around for a preview of the next episode of Behind the Gavel. And thank you guys for tuning
0: in.
1: Thank you.
2: Thank you, guys.
1: Thank you for listening to Behind the Gavel. Join the discussion on social media at Behind the Gavel. Again, that's Behind the Gavel, all one word. Tune in after the break for a preview of the next episode of Behind the Gavel.
0: Hi, this is Brian Cruz of Cruz and Pascara. If you're in an automobile accident and you're injured, listen up. First, go to the hospital. Next, call your lawyer. Why? Because you need advice. Call Cruz and Pescara your I-4 lawyer. 407-841-0200. 407-841-0200. Cruz and Pascara. Your I-4 Lawyer. Isn't Valentine's Day always beautiful? Love is in the air, chocolates, everybody's happy. Our client would disagree. He felt no love in the air on Valentine's Day back in 2017, partially because he was on the floor and hurt him.